Hi, I'm Wester Wagner and you're listening to the From Arthur Seat podcast, a short series about writing that ties in with From Arthur Seat 2019, an anthology of prose and poetry. In each episode we talk with an author whose work is published in the anthology and we'll listen to their story or poems. This episode linked side drops into the podcast booth. I think when you have a project out, it doesn't end with just like, okay, I have some in manuscript and full stop, I can just go back to my cave. Ning was uh, Southeast Asia's first professional female magician, and though she's pretty much abandoned that occupation, she's excelling in another. She has five successful books under her belt, and Ning's writing career is clearly going pretty strong. In this episode, she talks about what she's been up to this year, and gives us a peek at what an established writer does once she has the time to write without any publishing obligations. Good stuff. Hope you enjoy. Welcome Ning Tsai to the podcast booth of From Arthur Seed. Ning has done so many things in her life. She's been a magician, she's, she's done escapology, she's written five books. Calling her prolific seems kind of like an understatement. <laughs> Welcome, Ning. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Wester. And this is such a great opportunity. We're having a podcast for FAS. Brilliant. Yeah, to talk about writing mostly. So, mm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened before you even got here? How I got here is quite interesting, really. I spent like the last decade doing what you mentioned, um, escapology, illusions, mentalism, which is like mind reading. Uh, but Ooh. over the years, I've also been writing a lot. I've been writing magazines, uh, online, for newspapers, and yeah, the books that you mentioned as well. So I'm actually here on scholarship from the National Arts Council. And uh, thank you very much, NEC, for <laughs> investing in me. And after that's, this... that's part of the scholarship too, right? Just calling out, uh, <laughs> calling out their name and thanking them. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's wonderful um, that they believe so much in investing in the arts mm-hmm. and uh, especially in Sing Lit, which is Singapore literature. So uh, once we graduate, I'll be going back home and I'll spend the next two years just hopefully like you know, being able to help grow um, the Sing Lit community mm-hmm. and, and be able to like yeah, inspire more young people to read and write. Yeah, it's, it's a rare story, actually, hearing about a government supporting the arts. Singapore! <laughs> Hooray! Yay, Singapore. Um, you mentioned mentalism. Do you still do that? Yeah. Um, actually, right before I left for Scotland, I was performing gigs. Uh, funny story, actually, why I decided to come here to study was about two years ago, I was doing a gig in Newcastle. Okay. And I was like their uh, international uh, headlining act. And after that gig, I took a train up to Scotland. Uh, and visited some friends here, Dr. Richard Wiseman, who's uh, writing a few books for some important people, which <laughs> I can't mention a name, but like big names and magic. Uh, so he he was just telling me um, about about this place, and I thought, you know what, uh, it'd be interesting to come back. And um, next thing I knew, I was successful in the interviews for the scholarship, and then I. I was able to do the masters here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, coming back to your question, yes, I love mentalism because it's how can, it's like very interactive because with illusion shows, it's like, you know, you sit there and I'm here and ta-da, look at me. Right. But I love mentalism because it's very interactive. It's really, it makes the person uh, feel that it's very real. And that they're yeah. also part of the show. Exactly. Of, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like messing with their minds. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, can you mess with mine? 
Really? You want your mind read? If you can. Okay, okay, let's do that. Let's just do this. Okay. First, I'd like you to just close your eyes. Okay, relax and open them for me. Already? Yes, open it up. Just, okay, I'd just like you to just look at me, look at me. Okay, um, we are here now in Scotland. We're here in Edinburgh. I'd like you to think of your favorite place in Edinburgh. Don't tell me. Don't tell me yet. Okay, um, just think about it. Okay, okay, now open your eyes again. Look at me. You have it in your mind. Just pick one venue, don't change it. Okay, just focus that place in your mind. Now, it can be a historic place, it can be a museum, it can be an outdoor place, it can be a, a food place, any place in the world. Okay, now it's very interesting because I, I just noticed that when I spoke about outdoors, there was a little flicker of your eyelid. So you didn't pick a place like a museum or an indoor space or a food place. And outdoor places in Edinburgh, we do have a few, uh, for instance, like the Botanics, uh, Hollywood Park, uh, Art of Seed. Uh, oh, oh, I saw your pupils dilate there at Art of Seed. Uh, and I think that's quite apt because, well, the title of our book is From Art of Seed. What are you thinking about Art of Seed? That, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my favorite place in, in Scotland. So. Why was it your favorite place in Scotland? Well, it, it's amazing having a, having a city like Edinburgh, just with, with nature right in the center of the city, like actual nature, yeah. instead of just a random park. So. Yeah, I think so too. How, so. how did you do that? Uh, can you keep a secret? <laughs> yeah, sure. So can I. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Thank don't, you. don't you miss it? Because now you're mostly writing, right? You don't... You're still in touch with the magic community, I, I reckon. Um, yeah, very much on an international level. Uh, in fact, just a couple of months ago, I was at the Blackpool Magic Convention, which mm. is like the world's uh, biggest magic convention. And it was just so nice, like seeing people I knew, uh, you know, like uh, people from all over the world, really. Uh, but to me, you know, I, I live my life as an artist, so mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's a need to be just one dimensional, so to speak, like only doing one thing. Right. I feel like I'm living my life as Ning, and Ning has many facets to her. So writing is something I really enjoy, something I've loved since, uh, the, I don't know, when I was eight years old, and I won a writing competition. What, what was that story about? Oh, it was it was like a, something on a magazine, and I remember like being so young, and I don't know, I wasn't eight, I was six, because, I, yeah, I remember like uh, getting that letter and then running to my mom in the kitchen <laughs> uh, in our old house. And, and showing it to her, you know, and and just being so proud, like, oh my goodness, something I wrote got picked. Um, yeah, so at that age, I think I had already been a voracious, voracious reader, you mm. know, like just consuming all the books that I could from Nancy Drew, which maybe might be why I like detective novels. Um, I hated Sweet Valley High, <laughs> not much on romance, but um, yeah, I've always loved reading and then um, love to be able to like, you know, write, and create worlds and breathe life into characters and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, and magic, I think you can say it's all about communication. So right. at the end of the day, it's just it's, me being me. <laughs> it's the same kind of, well, it's, it's a different kind of communication though. Yeah, um, it is, but I think both are still very much in the arts. And mm -hmm. um, so I enjoy both. But I think at this point in my life right now, uh, I'm just very pleased that uh, you know, National Arts Council in Singapore has decided to invest in me as a write as a writer, and I've got a contract to do more books. So this is a path that I really want to pursue. Mm -hmm. um, 
a bit less on the performing side. I mean, I'm I'm glad and very thankful for what I've had done, all the opportunities that I've been blessed with. Uh, but I feel like now writing is something that I really, really want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, they allow you to. Uh, well, with with mentalism, you mentioned that what appeals to you there that it's about the interaction between people. You don't have that direct interaction with writing as much. Do you think you're going to miss that if you're going to full on focus on your writing career? Not really. Um, I mean, someone did say that you know the writer dies the moment uh, someone reads their book, right? Right. Um, Do you agree? To a certain extent, but these days, I think it's very important that all authors or like uh, those who aspire to be writers mm-hmm. need to understand that your work doesn't finish when you just submit the manuscript to the editor, to the publisher. Uh, you still need to do your own promotions, you know, uh, social media and, and stuff. It's a double-edged sword. Like, you know, it's great to just be able to focus on the writing, but it's also important to do the publicity. Right. Yeah, so I think it's a whole holistic thing, really. It's interesting that you say that because with a master's program like the one that we are doing at Edinburgh University, mm. what they tend to focus on is the writing aspect of it while marketing yourself and marketing your work isn't really focused on. Do you have any advice for <laughs> for writers who want mm. to promote themselves or want to promote their work? I think it's one thing to have an agent. You mm. know, it's great when you have a publicist for sure, but you also need to breathe life into your own babies because no one knows them better than yourself. And uh, people want to know the author. I think like, you know, you need to be the one who who actively shares more insight mm. and, and that would gather more interest in um, your book or like a character and stuff like that. So I think it's very crucial. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, not many people would be very interested to go on social media. Some might think it's a vanity project, but Whoa. unfortunately it's kind of like show business, right? That's the show and the business. And with writing in this, this is like right now it's uh, 2019 as we are doing this. I think it's very important to have like um, an online identity, a brand. I think a lot of writers would start feeling itches when they hear that. <laughs> About the branding thing? Yeah, exactly. It's this thing with writers and they like being solitary and stuff. Uh, and, and it's fine, but yeah. I think when you have a project out, you know, you it have doesn't to promote end. it. Other, it it's, yeah. yeah, it doesn't end with just like, okay, I've submitted a manuscript and full stop. I can just go back to my cave. Uh, that would be wonderful. But I think in the real world, um, you still need to, you know, do meet and greets. Get out there, yeah. Sign books and stuff like that. I have to agree. I think it's an illusion thinking that i mean you might have written (laughs) hey there you go (laughs) uh if if you've written the the greatest book of all time it's not the quality itself that would make people read it you have to actually get the book out there too people have to know about it yeah i agree with you there because it's a lot of things going for it like even the cover Mm -hmm. right the cover design the whole audience psychology on like why would people pick your book out from a bookstore exactly i mean it's great if people know about your book, but chances are, most of the time, if especially if you're won't. a new writer, yeah. they'll just wander into a bookstore, and then they'll just like, oh, okay, this cover grabs my attention. So it has to do with like color psychology and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I don't know if a writer can actually say much about that. It's mostly the mm, 
Well, so far with my experience with like uh, two different publishers, uh, Marshall Cavendish Asia, mm -hmm. uh, Marshall Cavendish International Asia, and uh, Epigram Books, they've always been very open in the discussions of the covers. So while yes, you can't dictate like I want this, 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 this. Uh, you do get a say, mm -hmm. like whether you feel it works or it doesn't. And you do get your veto, I suppose. Well, because they would explain like why they do certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, but then for some covers, I, I even like get to do it myself. So I think it really depends on like how much they trust you and then they agree with your vision as well. And mm -hmm. I think it would depend on like, yeah, different things as well. And I suppose, like you said, you know your own characters and your story best, right? So mm. if a cover doesn't reflect the story that you might as a writer want to say no well this cover is not working for me yeah and mm. um and I, I think as well sometimes uh depending on your publisher like you know like i discussed um at length with epigram on like uh, the publish the, the publicity mm -hmm. for the book that came out last year uh, misdirection book one of the savant trilogy so uh, we created like um, five um, book trailers. So it's like animation style. It's oh, that's kinda, cool. Yeah, so it these, looks like- These are young adult books, right? Yes, yeah. so it's a YA crime series. And uh, you know, Samurai Jack? Yes, Yeah. Of, so of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so uh, we had like uh, Maxine Schooling, the protagonist, like illustrated with a bunch of like uh, other um, characters, like the bat person uh like her love interest and stuff like that to capture the target audience yeah so there were like mini trailers like maybe about like 15 seconds each or so but uh you know it it helped the publicity to like get some interest before the book officially rolled out right mm. it's very cool having kind of like film trailers for a book i haven't really heard that before and it worked uh, because the book sold out on the <laughs> first day. Uh, it, it was at Books Kinokunia. And then I felt so terrible because the book elves were like, you know, they were literally just running around the store trying to find copies for people. And then some people like had to be turned away because they ran out of books. Uh, of course, my publisher was very happy about it's, it's the situation. Bitter, it's bittersweet, I suppose. I mean, I don't think you would be like, oh, I wish there were more books. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just great being able to say, I, they they all got sold out in the first run. That's, I think that's a writer's yeah, the dream day. to be able to say that, right? So. It's crazy, but yeah, I'm just super thankful, really. Um, but that's why they allowed me to like you know go off to study and then come back and like uh, so book two comes out once I'm back in Singapore like early next year, mm -hmm. in 2020. Yeah, I've read a little bit of that book because that's one of the things you've been working on this semester. Uh huh. And I've been very <laughs> grateful to yes. uh, to have been reading drafts of that. Oh, um, thanks. Do you want to say a little bit about what's coming next? Because mm. you, you've already published this first book of the Savant Trilogy. There's going to be two more. Do you want to talk about the, the two books? Well, you know, the reason why I came here as well, uh, I just thought like it's kind of tricky writing a sequel. Mm. I feel like it's not too difficult writing the end. The beginning and the end is easy because you know, um, how to start and yes. you know how to end it's final the middle however it's kind of tricky and i thought like you know how i approach my other books it's just i i didn't go for like formal like uh, writing school or anything like that my 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 bachelor's really is mass communications and writing copy uh you know pr and press release copies and stuff is very different from writing like your whole narrative of, of fiction and stuff so mm -hmm. um 
I thought it's just great that I'm able to learn from really good professors like, um, yeah, like Raj, you know, um, Alan Jameson, and and pick up really good tips about writing, which I didn't notice as well from like I mean I love our workshop group. Um, so I felt I learned a lot and being able to workshop my stuff with different people, hearing different people's opinions and voices. And um, I also learned more about my style of writing, mm-hmm. you know, like the little quirks that I otherwise would have noticed. Yeah, so I felt like my time here has been great in helping me be able to be ready, so to speak, to shape the second book. Because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the more challenging one, right? so to speak. Yeah, it's also interesting and difficult to reintroduce certain characters to people who have already read the first book. But of course, that's by now that's a year ago or something. So <laughs> they'll have to be uh, reminded a little bit. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the things you... Well, you mentioned that you learned a lot by being here. Um, do you have any examples of stuff that you, you've learned? Um, I think like how I approach my writing was really like I just read a lot since I was a kid really and then mm. from you know like when I was when I was a little girl I was just like uh yeah I read a lot of Nancy Drew as I mentioned and then as a teenager I really liked like um uh, Christopher Pike you know Stephen King a bit of horror <laughs> and uh yeah some crime as well and then it kind of shapes your own writing you know so even before I was published really I was doing a lot of like fan fiction writing posted anonymously on the internet of course, uh, of course. the best the best way to post <laughs> fan fiction yeah and and i think with everything you write you get better and um good feedback is always very helpful uh so i think your question about like how specifically like uh what i learned this semester yeah this these uh these two semesters yeah it's it's more like an academic approach to mm. to writing which i wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to right yeah so i and also experimental i i really enjoyed one class we had with uh jane mckee yeah where she you know um that's the program director of the yeah, she's awesome, program. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love her and Raj. Uh, yeah, so Jane uh, had us do some like, really interesting stuff using like the pi, like 3.14 or something, and then like using the numbers to correspond with like the oh, number the of words. F- what to is do it called? A, like, the fa- Fabonici? Yes, yes, yes. Thingy. Yes. Like a mathematical equation. Yeah, so using the numbers of equation to put like words like in in lines to make like, a poem or a prose or something mm-hmm. and i thought like yeah that's a very interesting way like i would never have thought of something so quirky uh so so yeah it's just things like that 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 pushes uh the boundaries of of what i have experienced before and i really enjoy that mm-hmm. that's great to hear thanks <laughs> in this year you've gotten the freedom to write whatever you want really you've already gotten got five books under your belt what would a writer do if she's given the freedom to just write whatever because that's the kind of free pass you've been given here right yeah well okay so um in my first semester here uh i didn't want to work on my book yet the you know book two of the savant trilogy so procrastination no 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 it's not procrastination it was a it was a decision because I really wanted to flex my muscles mm-hmm. and, and try out flash fiction, uh, poetry, <laughs> which uh, one of my poems is featured in um, in our FAS book. Mm-hmm. Uh, short, fi- yeah, in like yeah, short fiction stuff really because 
I think yeah. So far, what have I published is just you know nothing, no short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for uh, the first semester, like my entire folio consisted of like flash fiction, uh, yeah, some poems and and yeah, short stories, which I otherwise wouldn't have like spent time to develop in real mm-hmm. life. So, so yeah, it was it was a nice process because then in this current semester semester two i focused on uh, working on book two yes and i'll continue to do that for the dissertation uh are you going to do something with the with the flash fiction you've been writing here is that something you might want to pursue in the future Mm, that is so funny because i think you're the mind reader here (laughs) because just last night uh i sent out a piece uh that i worked on this semester uh to the abr australian book review writing competition Hmm. yeah the the closing date was just like last night. So I, I sent it out just before I came here. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm working on polishing some other pieces, maybe just send them up for some other writing competitions. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, I've never really done competitions before. So the ABR one is like my very first shot at it. So we'll see what happens. Well, it's it's a good way to get your stuff out there and see what it gets picked up. Mm. Not that you need that, but... <laughs> No, it's it's fun. I think yeah. it's also like an indication of like you know what what works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the piece that I sent uh, actually touches on like the Second World War. Right. Is uh, when I wrote it uh, this semester, I was very influenced by. I was feeling a bit homesick to be honest, because you know winter depression hit me quite hard. I'm from the equator, and we don't even have seasons. Yes, you and imagine. then you're in Scotland, where you hardly have any sun. It's like gray sky. Yeah, so I'm just. It's, it's so the writerly atmosphere, though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, having that spring is here. Yeah, it's colorful and everything. Um, but yeah, so I was thinking about family and my grandmother. And my grandma lived during the Second World War. She was a teenager then when the Japanese occupation soldiers came in. So yeah. she was the first escape artist, I would say, in the family because she had um, hit herself in a duck pond when the soldiers ransacked the village to like find young ladies about her age to like take back as comfort women. So if she hadn't like done what she had, I wouldn't be here. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, so the story really was uh, very much influenced by, by her and how also like uh, the Australians had helped, you know, Singapore in the Second World War as well. A lot of the POWs, the prisoner of wars, mm. uh, a lot of them were Australians. So I thought like that piece was quite apt really for the Australian Book Review writing competition. Well, let's hope uh, you get a good result. <laughs> let's hope it gets published. Well, I, it was just a nice experience to just try get my luck. Get that out there, yeah. 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 You also mentioned that you dabbled a little bit in, in, in poetry uh, and a poem of yours uh, from Edinburgh with Love uh, is published in from Arthur Seed. Let's listen to, to John Reed read your piece first and talk about it a little bit afterwards. Yay, John! To Edinburgh with Love by Neng Tsai Your slopes Your sublime slopes flowing like water like secrets never before heard as I taste your slow berries luscious against all senses Music Soft, bubbling of your river, Leith, hidden in the wildness of Ravelston woods, your reality feeding me, your voracious appetite for life, the width and depth 
and length of it, longing for tactile seasons of desire, deliciously bound by craving your hills and lascivious paths, tracing the promise of pleasure in a body so small yet so full of talent, embracing the rhythm of Portobello's tides, tireless passion crackles, embers glow, your voice, Scottish wildcat, words that capture my heart, rake memories down my willing skin, play with my restless fingers, your stories, your invitations, I am powerless against your charms, Unstoppable force, you rename my sky, my stars, my moon, and make me yours. And we're back. Welcome back to Afia's podcast. So, did you enjoy the reading? <laughs> Yay, John! Yay, John. So uh, what what inspired? Well, obviously I know what inspired you to write this. My poem. reader, <laughs> <laughs> it's Afrasi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so much. There's so much to love about Edinburgh, um, and the people are just so nice as well. Yeah, but it's really just you can fall in love with the places. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think um, I penned this when I was in Dean Village. You know, so if uh, you're listening to this and. You're gonna be visiting Edinburgh. You have to visit Dean Village, and then reread the poem, <laughs> if you like. If you like. Yeah. Uh, so what what makes Edinburgh amazing for you, then? Oh boy, um, I think it's just so different from where I come from, and everything about about it calls to me. Um, even the air is different. The sky on a good day, because you know, <laughs> it's so funny when I first came. People were telling me that oh. Uh, you know, you can get four seasons in a day. And it's true. <laughs> it can be like glorious weather in the morning, you know, blue skies, and it's amazing. And then later at night, it's just like, what the hell happened? <laughs> Is this the same day? Yeah, it's like hail in the afternoon. <laughs> and cra- Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think the first time I experienced hail, I thought like, you know, what? You'd never That's... experienced hail? No. Until I got here. And I'm like, but it's like sunny out. Why is there hail? So, yeah. It's, it's a mystery to me. You also really appreciate the sunny days more when there's just fewer of them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, I was You kind just of have to torture yourself a little bit just, for <laughs> <laughs> just like, to extra enjoy those. It's so weird when it gets pitch black dark at 4 p.m. Uh, during the winter when yeah. you know, we had classes. And, uh, you know, uh, I think my workshop ended at 6 p.m. Yes. So, like, 4 to 6. And, and then, like, walking back, it's like, whoa, it's so dark here. <laughs> I don't want to do anything anymore. Yeah, you just want to sleep. And uh, that's why you have to invest uh, in a SAD lamp and take vitamin D. Whereas, like, people from uh, the tropics like me, you know, from the equator, we're like, what is this? What is going on? But you still manage to fall in love with the country. Yes. But you're, you're well-traveled, though. And I, I guess most of what makes Scotland interesting for you, you might also be able or might have also found in other places, right? Yeah, but something about this history, really, you know, um, there's some macrobird stuff going on with broken hair, mm. uh, but it's also like the Scottish fairy tales of like selkies and, and stuff like that, which is very foreign to, to me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Chinese Singaporean and um, like, it's just, I, I think it's the differences that is appealing to me. The, the stories mostly, if I 
everything correctly. Yeah, stories and and the history of the place, mm. but also just the nature. I mean, I I love Rajasthan Seed as well. I see it from my window every morning. Um, and I I like that it's like you know a chunk of rock in the middle of a city. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, wonderful. You, you like the place just as much as I like it, I think. So uh, the idea with this poem was that it's not only talking about Edinburgh. Okay, so But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put words in your mouth. You can explain stuff yourself, of course. Yeah, well, actually uh what you see in the book uh is not the original version of it because the original version of the poem was was meant to be a concrete poetry like or, or some people call it shape poetry. Mm. So, uh initially it was supposed to be uh printed uh vertically mm. no, on the wait, side horizontally. Yeah, like basically like um yeah on the side with the words like going upwards and and it's supposed to look like the shape of Arthur's seat mm. but um like it was a bit of a challenge during the typesetting so in the end we decided you know what's fine we'll just like do it the normal old, way old fashioned <laughs> the old way. school yeah. traditional way uh so i decided to just remove like the entire shape and just like yeah keep it simple uh and the funny thing was during workshop people were saying that it looked like a boob mm. <laughs> Yeah. Every morning you look out at a <laughs> at a stone boob. <laughs> so they call it the boob poem. <laughs> the boob poem. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's almost romantic. I don't know about that, but yeah. So so anyway, I think it's for the better that we lost the shape of the boob. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed um the process of of um refining the poem. Mm. Mm, making it more personal to Edinburgh. And I love how it can be interpreted differently. Like you know, when John read it, it, it was different from how I would have read it out as mm. well. Yeah, that's the personal thing with poetry, I suppose. Yeah, which is what I love about it. You know, it's kind of like I write something, but once it's out there, it's not mine anymore. Right. Mm. Which is an interesting thing to sing it, say about poetry, because poetry tends to be very personal. Exactly. Yeah. But also mostly personal to the writer. Yeah, I think with um, prose, with fiction, it's you know it's easy to to get the idea of it yeah. because the sentences lead to paragraphs which shapes the world. With poetry, you know, you get the feelings instead, like the emotions. And mm. to everybody, you you have different life experiences, and everyone's breathing patterns different as well. So, I I just love how it transforms. Uh, in the mouth of whoever reads it. Hmm. How was it uh, getting your poem edited by other pieces? Because you've obviously also gone through an editing phase, oh. but when it's something as personal as a poem, how does how would that work? This is very interesting though, because um, I had you know I mentioned uh, Robert Allen Jameson yeah. and Jane McKee. Both of them are poets as well. I love them so much. <laughs> So uh, I got both of them to look at it separately, and it's interesting how they see things differently um, and gave different advice. Whereas with when you talk about fiction, you know sometimes you know where when a majority of people say the same thing, right. then that has to be fixed. But with poetry, uh, every time I 
I let someone check it out, different things come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so then I realized that it's it's fine at the end of the day because it's all your interpretation. Of course, certain things uh, make it better to make it more personable, make it uh, more specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all about the emotion and the process, really, for when it comes to poetry. Yeah, so writing poems and writing fiction, very, very different. Are there things you would take away from poetry and, and inject into your fiction? That's a great question. Um, so for the book that's coming out, um, Manipulation, book two of the Savant Trilogy. Uh, and when is it out? <laughs> next year, well, 2020, uh, early part of it. So I have actually like had the protagonist write a villanelle, and I'm going to put that into the story as well. So I've never done that before, but I'm using it as a, a, a you know, plot device to have a troll back to some information from the first book. Mm. So mm. it's just like, you know, encapsulated in that poem. It's really smart because you just, you don't need as many words to do that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was what I was trying to do because I didn't want like, a whole boring like a flashback kind of thing. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so with the poem that the 18-year-old uh, protagonist writes, people already get the feel and those who you know, if you've not read the book, you understand. If you've read the first book, then you just get your memory jogged, so it works. Yeah, and if it's a poem, you get the information in a new kind of way. It get, gets told to you in a way that they haven't seen before. Hmm. Well, if it's just if it would just be narration of your first-person protagonist, it eh. would kind of feel a little bit eh. stilted, maybe. <laughs> eh, yeah. Yeah. Well, judging from your ass, I think uh, <laughs> I think you made the right call here. No, I mean, I think texture is so important. I mean, even in food, and I'm a huge foodie, right? So I think texture is very important and it adds dimension. And so you should apply that to writing as well. Honestly, texture is the best taste. <laughs> Agree. I mean... Spoken like a chef. I mean, fuck, fuck salt and, 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 and umami and stuff. Are we it's allowed just, to say the word, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're in, in Scotland, it's fine. <laughs> just listen to a random person talk on the street and you'll... You'll hear it. Well, I honestly can't really make out like the Scottish accent still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fun fact. When I got to Scotland, uh, one of the first parties I went to, I met this guy from Glasgow. And he told me that people from Glasgow are called Glaswegian. So I had never knew that. So I was just very curious and I asked, how about people from Edinburgh? And he leaned in and he told me they are called wankers. <laughs> it's... it's so Scottish. <laughs> you gotta love it. Yay, Scotland! <laughs> Scotland is great. I don't think any one of us really wants to leave either because, well, our program is kind of international, so which is obviously great, but it's less great that we all have to leave at one point. Well, most of us anyway. Do you think you're going to be back? At this point, um, I, I can't see it in my cards as yet. I usually have like a three-year plan for myself, so... Um, you usually have a three-year plan, how does that work? Oh, so you have a plan, but you always like leave it open to improv. <laughs> Most of my life is improv, to be honest. Well, all of your show I, shows, I hope, weren't improv. No, no, no. So with the thing... Okay, so that's a, that's a good analogy. So with my shows, I'm always like well-rehearsed, well-scripted, and, and, and well-trained and everything. Yes. But, you know, shit does go wrong sometimes. Sometimes when you pull out somebody, maybe they don't understand English, <laughs> they can't take instructions, or they're drunk, and then it only shows. Oh, the audience, yeah. Yeah, when they're on stage, you know, um, 
or or sometimes they develop this personality where like they overcompensate because they suddenly feel so shy. Mm. Yeah, so things like that happen, and then you just need to like deal with it um, because you you just have to plan for the best case uh, for the worst case scenario. Uh, so I think like for me, I know the next three years of my life, I I need to um, give back to the National Arts Council. Right. Um, you yeah. know, give back to Singapore, help to. Um, yeah, bring up the um, yeah the the levels of writing and, and reading in Singapore. So I I don't know how I'm gonna do that yet. I have to have that chat with them. I don't know if they want me to teach, but um, yeah, I think I probably won't be traveling out of Singapore for a while. Mm, you're gonna be trapped. I won't say trapped, <laughs> but I'll be happily giving back to society. Right. Well, especially since you like Singapore so much, I don't. Think I love it's my gonna, country. It's, I don't think it feels like a punishment. No, not at all. Unless you eat chewing gum, then. Yes, exactly. And then if you smoke, you have to like you know stand in that yellow box outside. The Nazi zone. <laughs> I think if we call it that, then it'd be more appealing. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we are a country with many strict rules, but um, it's all for a reason. Mm. Pusky chewing gum. That's it for this episode of the From Our Pursuit podcast. Thank you so much for dropping by, Ning. Thank you so much again for having me. I really enjoyed my time here. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> we'll definitely hear from you again. Awesome. All right. Thank you. The From Our Pursuit podcast was produced by me, Mr. Wagener, with the help of Megali Roman and Miro de Beer for 2019's From Our Pursuit anthology. Story excerpts were read by John Reed. Special thanks to Jack Taylor. From Arthur 2019 is launching on the 8th of May. You can visit us at fromarthurseat.com. Thank you for listening.